0: PD Pods presents the Corona Cast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Corona Cast presented by PD Pods and myself, Pranip Bhadev. I'd like to thank all the listeners for tuning in on a regular basis as we've been putting out as much content as we can that is relevant to the healthcare community during the COVID pandemic. We know over the coming weeks and months, there's gonna be significant disruption to normal work, normal working patterns and conditions, and even the way that some teams and training is adopted. The last episode we recorded with BOTA president, Patricia Campbell, was downloaded nearly 300 times, and I hope that you found this useful as we addressed some of the core topics people were worrying about, including redeployment and ongoing training. Obviously, the uh, there was due to be national selection done earlier this week and they've had to review this process and we have an update with regards to how this is going to be uh, taken forward. We're going to be using this opportunity to talk about some of the questions that have been posed to BOTA uh, from its members about engaging in training right now, concerns with regards to working amongst different uh, specialties, and how they can continue to be involved in orthopaedic training, engaging with processes like ISCP and work-based assessments. We'll also be talking about the updated guidance issued just yesterday by Health Education England on the ARCP process, and I think we should just get really into it, Tricia. Thank you for joining me. No problem. So let's start off with national selection. Obviously, the dates was actually supposed to be last week. We're now approaching Easter weekend. And I know that you're involved um, in this quite heavily. Tell me, what have they decided to do from the uh, SAC side?
1: So, um, first of all, I just want to say that um, it's all been quite fast moving um, and BOTA So our BOTA members were represented to HGE by a number of organisations, it wasn't just the SAC. So the SAC is a specialty advisory committee, the SDG, who's a specialty design group, the JCST, who are the Joint Committee on Surgical Training, and the ATDG, who are the Academy Training Doctors group. So there was a number of people in the room um, advocating for our orthopaedic members. So the outcome is this, one, It's going to be a self-assessment and short, the self-assessment and shortlisting scores will be the only means of ranking applicants. And there'll be no validation of self-assessment scores. So I know there's been some controversy and a lot of discussion about the outcome of national selection. Um, BOTA feel that we understand the overriding need at the moment is to focus on patient care. However, The situation is not something that we advocated for, nor any of the groups that were representing us. Um, I can reassure our members on three points. So we've got historical data, which shows that there's good correlation between the overall self-assessment score and the score for the whole interview. That's the first point. The second point, we've advised HEE of a threshold account appointability score which means if they go with this score, it should minimise the risk of any applicant getting a number that wouldn't have done in previous years. The last thing, there's been a lot of discussion about gender bias with regards to the self-assessment score. We've we've received data relating to this, and we're reasonably happy that there's no evidence of gender bias. So those are three points we wanted to reassure our members on.
0: And obviously, I saw that they sent an email out to all the people who had applied for ST3 recruitment that they could change their score in some way or another. Is that true? And what are the limitations to that?
1: Yeah, so there was a line that said, um, only trainees that feel they may have overscored themselves can correct. So again, that's caused a little bit of controversy. So if people think they may have underscored, they can't correct. It's only those that think they may have overscored who can, who can change.
0: And is this concerning issues about probity or just uh, giving people an opportunity to correct what they may have thought um, may not be correct, in fact, at this stage? I mean, there must be some applicants who have maybe had a few more papers published since they applied and could technically have a better score, but they've been limited in some way.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's just giving people the opportunity to revisit the scores that they've given themselves i mean in an ideal world there would have been a validation of the of the process um, but this is what he have, have have given us
0: and i'm sure to be fair at you know there's going to be a more stringent uh, stringent arcp process for these uh, new recruits when they sort of get started and we hope that um that sort of addresses some of the potential issues that i know both uh, trainees uh, applicants and trainers are potentially concerned about uh, yeah let's i mean what's, what's,
1: yeah, sorry, I was going to say, we're still awaiting information on ARCPs, but I think it's important, as well as we say a stringent ARCP, as well as supportive ARCP,
0: yeah. um,
1: but awaiting information on, on how that's going to be conducted.
0: Well, while we're on ARCPs, why don't we talk about that? Because I know, again, yeah. Health Education England has issued some uh, updated guidance, as there have been every other day or so, um, about the ARCP process yep. in these uncertain times.
1: So, um, the current state of play. If a trainee is on the correct trajectory and is expected to um, remain on the normal course, they can continue without the need for an extension. Now, they've created a new outcome, an outcome ten, which is to put the training experience into context. So, for example, if a trainee was to attend, was meant to attend a course, but that course um, they've had to miss because of um, COVID, they get an outcome ten. Which means it's documented that this deficiency was not their fault, it was due to the pandemic and the situation. And then an action plan is put in place, this deficiency can be corrected in the subsequent training period.
0: And what about those uh, trainees who are disadvantaged by, let's say, not being able to participate in elective practice and meet their minimum requirement of numbers? You know, there have been some deaneries that have said that most trainees will require an extension. What's voters' involvement in that and how it will be applied uh, to, ran, to all the regional deaneries.
1: Yeah so it's always been made quite clear that no individual trainee should be disadvantaged. So if a trainee requires more time traditionally they would have been given an outcome three but now the is going to be given an extension without having an outcome three so there's not going to be a negative mark upon them for requiring more time. Now, there's still some discussion as to exactly what ARCPs are going to look like. That's the information that we've got right now.
0: And again, I'm sure this will continue to modify. But what we will do in the show notes of this episode is we'll put in that latest, latest updated HEE guidance that people can have a look at. But we've been reassured they're going to continue to apply the standard gold guide. Again, with a lot of trainees not being rotated uh, In the normal six-month way and with some trainees already being told that they may not even change hospitals when they typically would do in August, how is that going to be managed from um, the educational supervisor point of view and how they can uh, adapt that on the ISCP?
1: Yeah so I think throughout all of this it's really important to document clearly what post you are on so Trainees should create a new placement on ISCP so that we can evidence exactly where they were at this point in time, should their training to be looked at in hindsight. So they should create a new placement um, with learning agreements where possible. They should keep the same educational supervisor. With regard to the clinical supervisors, because trainees are going to be working with multiple consultants, they should add on additional clinical supervisors. So I'd encourage trainees to carry on engaging with the ISCB pr- process as much as possible.
0: And what about work-based assessments? Because again, you know, there was a standard 40 have to be done per year. Some trainees are now working on a medical ITU shift and, mm. you know, not able to achieve that. What is your advice on people attaining adequate WBAs during the next six months or so?
1: so i would encourage trainees not to be focused on a number of work-based assessments and i'd say that COVID or not because of the way the new curriculum is now if there's an opportunity for you to perform work workplace-based assessments you should grasp that opportunity for example some trainees trainees may be on a trauma placement and perform an operation they should do a pba on that when they can now i appreciate some trainees may be moved off of orthopedics completely doesn't mean there isn't a learning opportunity to be had i think it's important that we should reflect on every experiences that we have Um, so for example at the end of every day we can sit down and go through and see what evidence we do have where we can meet the generic curriculum requirements we should focus on the skills such as leadership for example if you have to design a new rotor you should definitely write that down reflect on it And that can be looked at at a later date to see what you have achieved in these six months.
0: And I think that's very important because there's a lot of non-technical skills that are going to be coming into play. So things like teamwork, as you mentioned, leadership opportunities to teach juniors mm-hmm. from other specialties some of our registrars have been asked to uh, staff essentially the minor injuries unit where they are now working very closely with uh, ENPs and I've suggested they use that time to train the ENPs because at the end of the spreading that knowledge is only going to help the function of departments in the long term
1: yeah, in addition
0: perfect. we've done plaster training for the SHOs who may have to step up and do a bit more in assisting E. At this time with that and obviously as you mentioned on leadership you know there are multiple roles out there appearing almost every day where people can step up and do this my advice to a lot of our trainees has very much been we are still running a trauma list in our DGH mm-hmm. they are done largely by a consultant but with a registrar And if the registrar is doing part or all of that procedure, they should be utilizing this time to sit down and do a PBA with them. Because typically we're so busy in our trauma list. We do five or six cases in a day and we don't get the time to sit and reflect on that case with our boss. Well, we know with the application of having to don and doff and put on full PPE during these operations, we have a huge amount of turnover time between cases and trainees should really squeeze that time to gain as much as they can from it.
1: Yeah, it's about maximizing opportunities.
0: And I've spoken to Lisa Hadford who a lot of people will know as, uh, you know, the BOA surgical educationalist. And she felt it was very important to stress this, not to worry about numbers, but to use reflection of their current state as a very important part of what they document. As a consultant who has to do appraisals, that is pretty much what we have to do because we're not being assessed On our technical skills, it's largely reflection of cases, reflection of courses and processes that we're involved in that is actually reviewed by our consultant colleagues. So it's almost part of it to get used to that. The other thing is, is uh, critical CBDs are some things that are there for senior trainees. And I know a lot of them do struggle to get these in the final period because you don't really think about them in your very early years. And I'd like to take this opportunity to offer any trainee uh, nationally who needs to have a pediatric critical CBD done, which is the painful hip in a child and a painful spine in a child, uh, that I'd be happy to organize a Zoom session with them to get this sign off so they can achieve their competency. The way of doing this would be to either message me uh, through the podcast platform or to visit uh, the website, which is www pdpods.com and the bottom part contact us uh, there's an area where you can put that in and if you put in your name your email address uh, what year and deanery you're from i can confirm with your tpd that they're happy for me to do this and we can start getting that organized so and i think a lot of people are going to start doing things like this because we all understand what stress uh, yeah. in uncertain time trainees are in yeah
1: that's a very kind offer thank
0: you and With regards to ongoing teaching, uh, I spoke to Anish Samrajka about this in in an episode a few days ago. Uh, A lot of uh, deaneries have become quite innovative and adopting, uh, you know, methods like this over Zoom to do training. What is BOTA doing anything right now? I know we talked a little bit at the last time about that. And do you know any specific um, rotations that are uh, doing things like this?
1: Um, and in my rotation, the Northeast are definitely, um, we're doing foot and ankle term, we've set up um, a kind of web based teaching system. Um, BOTA haven't done anything as yet. Um, I think the BOA has some tentative plans to put together a teaching program, but I'm waiting for the information on that. So there's stuff in the pipeline.
0: And again, you know, I, I recommend a lot of people don't just uh, get involved in their local um training or regional training, if you have people who you know from other deaneries who have open a lot of this stuff is open access, is to join that because again, it's an education opportunity. It's about squeezing out every drop you can get at this time uh, to remain within orthopedic training. Uh, because you will look far better um in your ARCP if you've documented that you've been attending yes. training even if it wasn't by your local deanery and reflected on that. I think that would be favorably looked at at the ARCP process. And people are concerned that they may have outcome 10s or outcome 3s. And it's been great that you've clarified some of that. But again, I stress the importance of uh, people actually engaging in ICP and documenting things at the same time.
1: Yeah, and also I'd like to say also to reflect on on the situation because I know a lot of people may not even be doing orthopaedics at the moment, but there's still a lot to be gained from what they are doing and to reflect on that you can get the most out of it.
0: If it makes uh, people feel any better, we are having a, a sedation uh, training from A&E staff as a group of orthopedic consultants so we can do our own uh, manipulations uh, when they get inundated and we've also all been trained up on ITU based skills so we were there with the phlebotomy arm and the cannulas yeah. again which was a, a bit of a shock to the system but you know this is being done at all levels including the most senior colleagues within trusts. Yeah
1: definitely it's about teamwork at this point.
0: And let's talk finally about well-being um, mm-hmm. I hope people have managed to tune in to the episode I did a few days ago with a psychiatrist where we gave 10 tips about um, identifying stresses, nurturing resilience and preventing burnout. There are lots of webinars currently out there and there's lots of new resources. Again, is there anything that BOTA I know is doing? And I know the BOA is drawing something up together at present.
1: Yeah, so we produce a monthly newsletter that goes into everyone's Um, inbox and at the bottom of that we've we've put some uh, well-being things in there. At the moment I'm working for Health Education England and they have a fantastic resource which I've encouraged people to tap into um, as well.
0: And we'll put that again in the show notes Um, and there's also uh, frontline19.com and there's a few other, the Royal College of Surgeons has put together something as well, there's a few webinars coming. Where should trainees be getting these updates from besides these podcasts, because you know we we may not get to do this very regularly, but we know that things are changing very very quickly all the time. I'll be honest, you know I tend to get a lot of my things from uh, Twitter from some of the TPDs who I follow. Yeah. Um, but what do you recommend to your uh, members?
1: There's a whole range of places. Depends on which you find easier to access. So social media. So both to have an Instagram account. So at underscore Ortho twitter at voter underscore uk through our, our monthly newsletter or through our website, boater.org.uk. We've just set up an email address, so, which is covid19 at where we encourage trainees to email us with any questions, so we know how to um, address these. So, for example, if we want to do um, another podcast in the future, we plan on doing a frequently asked questions page. So if you've got any queries, send us an email at covid19 at
0: Fantastic. I mean, this is really what uh, we want from our uh, trainee professional body. And I have to say, I've been very impressed from uh, what BOTA has done already, from what the BOA and BISCOS have done from the paediatric side that I'm interested in. Um, I do recommend that all trainees are aware of the COVID boost guidelines that have been out there. And I yeah. don't think it would be unreasonable that people are asked about them in the future. In addition, they have launched the TJTONC, which is the Transient Journal of Trauma, Orthopaedics, and Coronavirus. Um, They're putting articles out quite frequently. Mm -hmm. And I believe today the BOA sent out an email with uh, uh, three updated articles. They're actually quite light reading, um, but bring your attention to some things that uh, some of us don't think about. Obviously, there's been... uh, A suggested increase in the amount of domestic abuse and uh, and non-accidental injury in children uh, during the lockdown. And these are just some of the things that trainees need to be aware of when they do approach a a child or a patient uh, in the ED setting, because things are going to change. We're going to be working outside of our comfort zone. So I think we need to still try and keep ourselves apprised. And again, reflect on them and use that as a way of documenting, reflecting. So I apologize for keep on repeating myself, but it's important for all trainees to really engage at this time and show uh, their commitment, not only to the current situation, but to their long-term training. Uh, Trisha, thank you so much for joining me again. Is there anything you'd like to add before we finish?
1: No, that's it. Just to encourage trainees, if they've got any queries or anything that they would like us to address, to send us an email and then we can take it from there.
0: Fantastic. And again, my offer of doing critical CBDs in pediatrics uh, remains. It's www.pedipods.com. Please follow this podcast on all major platforms. It's on Spotify, on Google, it's on Apple. Uh, Subscribe and rate it and please share it with your other friends and colleagues who may find it of some interest. Uh, It's just about to hit eight o'clock on a Thursday. uh, So we better finish this off before we hopefully get drowned out by uh, roars of applause and screams. (laughs)
1: Yes, thank you very much.
0: Uh, Cheers, take care.